Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode... I get to sit down with Romford's finest. I speak to Doris Pearson of Five Star, absolute pop sensations that that soundtrack many school discos for me. And you're going to fall in love with Doris because she's an absolute delight. And we touch on so much um, fascinating stuff of what it was to you know what it would have been like to have been in this huge pop phenomenon um, throughout the eighties and and what she's gone on to do and and those formative years as well. And uh, it's a, it's a wonderful chat. Um, before we get on with that, uh, just quickly, uh, big thanks to Scribius Pip, uh, the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. If this is your first time uh, listening to Off The Beaten Track, I should say, um, once you finish this episode, go and have a look in the archives because there's 250 episodes now with interviews with artists as diverse as Chuck D from Public Enemy, um, Melanie C from The Spice Girls, um, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, Fatboy Slim, Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Michael Smiley. Oh, there's stacks. Go and, go and have a rummage because you'll find uh, an episode, I'm sure, that will tickle your fancy. And if you'd like to support the podcast, that would be um, really, really appreciated. Um, and the way you can do that um, is to go to the Patreon page and sign up and and what you also get if you do that is another um, bundle of episodes. You get a few each week. As well as that, you get access to another back catalogue of never-released episodes. I think there's about 200 sitting in there. There's radio shows, video episodes, all sorts of stuff. Um, all of the stuff that I've just been talking about, there's a one-stop shop for that. And that is www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. There you go. That's the boring intro waffle bit done at the beginning. Now I'm going to let you get on with the good stuff. Okay, it gives me great pleasure to introduce today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Doris Pearson. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. We are recording. Uh, joining me today via the means of Zoom, Doris Pearson. Good morning. Good morning, Stu. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's it's a bit cold, but uh, but the sun's shining in Essex but the this sun's morning. Shining. So that's yep. that's a good Amazing. start. Yeah. Um, and I guess in these kind of these times, I should point out to, to listeners that we're recording this on the 22nd of January. Um, right. 
you know, I, I think people are really enjoying the outside and, you know, that, that opportunity to go for your walk and, um, and whatever else you can at the moment. So just yeah. on, on that side of things, I just want to ask you, Doris, how you found the last sort of 10 months um, as, as just as a human being and as, a, as an artist? As a human being, I've just been continuing as I usually normally would. Um, the only thing is I'm just a little bit more attentive to those that are more vulnerable, you know, like making sure I talk to my grandma, you know, uh, more often because she's isolated, she's by herself and she doesn't get to see anyone. And my grandma's a tough lady and um, she has expressed that she's feeling a little frustrated now the whole thing so in the neighborhood you know we make sure there's neighborhood watch everybody makes sure that they keep an eye on you know the elderly or more vulnerable so in that way as a human being i feel you know it's really important to give of your time and yourself to others in this situation you know as an artist as an artist um (laughs) i've i've been challenging myself to engineer my vocal sessions because I, I have no one here. So, and um, I'm not savvy in that way. I'm really not. So I've been learning garage band and failing in a huge way. Um, but then I've, I've persevered and um, it's been really good. I can do, I now know how to count the beats per minute. I know how to import a track. I know how to export and send stems. So... I'm on a roll. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, you're here to talk records uh, yeah. and, and your creative journey. So for track one, Doris, I'm going to ask you, uh, the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Uh, rock With You. Oh, you, won't be, you won't be the first to choose that. <laughs> I think that's been chosen about three times, and it's, it's a worthy entry. It really is. Oh, definitely. Yeah. What is it you like about that? Um, it's just the energy and the precision of how it rolls in and it just touches you. You know, it's not loud. It's not clashy. It's just inviting. Yeah. That drum roll at the beginning. It's like just unforgettable. Yeah. Yeah. How much of a, a an important part was was Michael Jackson's music, you know, in your formative years? Oh, huge, huge. Michael was just everything in my life back then, um, just before we started the group. Um, I even loved his afro. You know, everything about him was just perfect to me. The voice, oh, my God, the feel that he sang with and just that smile. (laughs) I think there's something when – and I think he's in – can you feel it when when you when you look at like the the Jackson Five, all very competent, you know, artists, and all got yeah. you know great voices. Mm. But in can you feel it? I don't think Michael's vocal comes in till about a third of the way through, and then mm. when that cuts in, it's like takes it somewhere completely different. It's yeah. just yeah. it's head and shoulders above anything else. It's like. Such oh, yeah. a soaring, yeah. soaring vocal. Yeah, you, you know that's when the song begins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and so I'm going to ask you, um, yeah. Doris, uh, from from the early days of, of, of Five Star, um, the way that people listened to music then 
uh, or the yeah. way that they got their music was very different to how um, you know young people consuming pop music listen to it now. Um, in, oh, what I mean by that is, uh, obviously, you would be selling records and tapes and CDs, whereas now so much of it is streaming. Yes, there is a resurgence of vinyl, which is great, but yeah. most people consume their, their their music via you know Spotify and, and iTunes and such. Yeah, and and so one of the things that um, I've noticed, especially with pop music, is now that. The, the songs seem to be getting shorter and shorter and starting with choruses and it seems to be tailoring itself to maybe the attention spans of younger people may be in slightly, slightly smaller, uh, you know, surrounded by... You sa- know what? Stu, that's actually um, a very old-fashioned method of... That's how they used to do it back in the day, in the 60s. Mm. With the intro and the the songs being on the whole a lot shorter, mm. because that was to to captivate and to capture, mm. you know, instead of going on and on and on. So, it, yeah, I, I think um, for those that don't know, it's quite old school. Yeah, I, I guess that you know that whole kind of if you know if we look at it, mainstream pop music, that Motown was that in its day, wasn't it? And that was <laughs> you know straight yeah. in there was yeah. there was no. Yeah. There was no fat on them songs, was there? It was. It was. No, just no, lean. no. They just went, yeah, straight from the get-go. Seconds in, they that just pulled you in, you know. And so I just wondered, like, um, the way that people listen to music and consume music now, if that's had any any influence as to how you approach making music now. One more time, repeat that for me. So I just wondered like, how you would approach making music, you know, uh, in the early days of Five Star throughout your career. Has that yeah. been influenced and has the way that you approach making music changed insofar as the way that, 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 that people are consuming music now? And it seems to be very, very short and, and to the point. Yeah, I mean, your attention span doesn't have to be that lengthy today, you know, probably hence why the, the going back to the the instant, you know, intro and grabbing you and shorter period of time on the song. But um, I, I think you go with the flow, go with the vibe, because it, it, it just like a cycle of 30 years, isn't it? They say. Yeah. Yeah things come back around. So I think that's that's it. You know, people are fickle and people are, you know, they are consumers at the end of the day. And with technology, how things have changed, I think, for sales and, you know, to grab people's attention, I think that's what it's had to kind of become in a way, you yeah. know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, let's take you back. <laughs> for track two, uh, the yeah. first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Um, I'm going back to the first one. But actually, I, I can actually change that up because I was going to say MJ again. But it was a 12-inch remix, I think it was, by Change. My brother bought it on vinyl with Luther Vandross singing lead. He wasn't actually a solo artist back then. Mm. Not yet. And, um, oh, my God, that, that another intro. What was it? Search him. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. sorry, I didn't read the title. Search him, definitely, yeah. yeah. Oh, what a record. Wicked, awesome, classic, you know? And what would the emotion have been that you got from that? Just 
feeling how people, musicians, producers, artists can actually make you feel that way. You know, just the time and the energy and just the thought, like being a, um, a songwriter, the melody, you know, to capture people's emotion because it isn't just, oh, I hear it and, oh, yeah, that's a cool beat. No, it, it emotionally, it they know how to grab you. Yeah, yeah. So in those early days, um, mm. was there always music on at home? Always. Especially every weekend because... My dad was a musician and my mum loved music. We had an eclectic, like, not divide, but variation of music um, with Elvis Presley, uh, Lee Dorsey. um, Oh, God, there's just so many. We had the Commodores, uh, Nat King Cole, just so many, you know, it just varied. So yeah. we grew up loving a little bit of everything, I would say. Yeah. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Okay. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And so where was that? Was that Romford? Romford, yeah. So how was that as, as, as a youngster growing up there? Cool. That's my stomping ground, school days, um, making friends, um, just, yeah, just growing up as a, a family and, you know, extending out to leaving school and I never wanted to get a job. But, um, <laughs> I never wanted to do from nine to five, honestly. <laughs> I actually, I actually wanted to play netball for England. Okay. That was my thing, yeah. Is that what you wanted to do at school? Yeah, when I left school, I wanted to go play for England. Okay, well, let, let's talk school and we can get into that then. Because for track three, I'm okay. going to ask you uh, the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Doris. Um, I'm going to say it was after a netball match with my great little team of girls. We were such a great netball team. And it was at Robert Clack. And we were walking, I can see it now, we were walking down this path 
just, you know, happy because we won another match because we were that good. And the girls were singing One in Ten by UB40. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard it yet, but I heard them singing it and I thought, that's a reggae tune. That's a reggae rhythm they're singing. And I got to hear that tune after on the radio. I loved it. Yeah, what loved record. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you enjoy school? It's all right. <laughs> it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my thing. I just... I knew I had to go to school. Um... I remember when I started primary school, I was the one kicking and screaming. I did not want to stay there. Mm. I was not a fan of that environment of, because, you know, you're a young kid and you're at home with your brothers and sisters and they're my friends because we're quite, you know, a large family. And it was like to be from that to that. And also, like, I've grown up with a pet name or pet names from my family. So going to school and being introduced as Doris wasn't cool for me. But I settled after a while. School was, I guess, necessary. But um, couldn't wait to leave. Yeah. Was you a creative kid? I, I guess I was. I, I didn't really know it within myself. Um, it developed. I mean, you've... You, you know, you, you went on to have like incredible success, and and so there's there's two things I want to ask about that, and and the first one is, were, was you a confident? Was you a confident person? I was a confident baby. <laughs> <laughs> it just continued, you know. Um, I will say though, during the group time, it kind of. Um, blended with the others because I felt back then you had to be like any group or team player you have to become one like an entity with the others so it's one energy so I guess I kind of like subdued or you know immersed into that for a while but always been a confident child yeah, yeah. and a dog what, <laughs> what about drive are you driven always always you know even just go to the store just make sure my journey out or doing anything is a journey and um i'm just like that i'm one of those animated optimistic people in whatever i do and you know i mean i, I i've grown up you know 10 miles up the road from where where uh, you grew up and and romford and essex in general is is, is you know pretty working class um mm. How how did you find, you know, at such a young age, you know, coming from, you know, humble background, how did you find just the the madness that is, is fame and having so much of it thrust upon you as you know, as a young woman, how how did you how did you deal with that? Easy, because I feel when you're grounded and it's like you've just got your siblings around you. We were children, so when we started, that was 12 and a half, you know? Um, That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. So it was just that family unit still, Stu, and just being grounded because, you know, we, we had our guardian with us, which was our dad. And it was, yeah, it was work. It was great, but still... Um, you you were in check because they were just your brothers and sisters and your dad. Yeah. You know, you 
behave as well, you know, accordingly. And at the same time, be professional with others around that you've never met before. And you go out. And I think children are like that. We adapt. Children do adapt. You know, they must be underestimated for their intelligence or their capabilities because we did. We found it quite easy. Was there a moment where, uh, as a band, you just thought, wow, we are, we have cracked it? Like, was there a moment? And, and I'll tell you what I want to, I'll ask you another question after that. But was there a moment where you all kind of looked at each other and thought, well, this is, this is happening, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to rack my brains. Um, I think it was so lovely to see fans' reaction. You know, first time on tour, I think I think that's what I would um, say was the first time you really, really notice, you know, that elevation of adoration and love and that energy coming from people you don't know. And it was like, wow, they like us. Wonderful. Mm. And... <laughs> And, and I'm sure, like like most people of of you know of, of our generation and generations before and after, you know, you and the family would have been watching Top of the Pops every week growing up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Tell me about the first time you went on Top of the Pops and how exciting was that for you? And 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 did it deliver? Was it everything you hoped it would be, or or was it all oh, right? Because a, a lot of people I speak to go, it's actually quite small when you get there. It's quite what? Small. Like the, the studio and that, it's, it's a lot sort of smaller and, and more intimate than, you, you know, it appears on the TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and um, yeah, I remember meeting Rick Astley on the way to, because um, they had different, like, stage settings at the time. Mm. And, that, and it was his first time. We were like, don't be nervous. You'll be fine. Because I think it was our second or third time. We were like, you, you did really well. And then getting up there and seeing Morrissey. We were having sound checks in Morrissey, bopping along to Can't Wait or whichever song it was at the time. And I was like, wow, because I loved Morrissey yeah. back then. So it was like, you're, you're there and you're a part of it. But it's still, you you know, you're quite young. We were young and it was like in awe of seeing these other artists, you know? Yeah, yeah loved it. Did, did, you feel, did you feel like you belonged there? Because, you know, I, I know that so many of us have that kind of imposter syndrome where sometimes you feel like, oh, God, there's Morrissey over there or there's someone like, wow, we're on here as well. Do, you know, did, did you feel like you'd earned your stripes and you deserve to be there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, with and I and I say that with a lot of confidence because I remember hearing people say, "Oh, they're just an you know an overnight success, like a production line band or group." And it was like, "We're not. We started rehearsals at home and worked at it to be." Um, that's what I loved about all five of us. Everybody was in a hundred percent, you know. And it was like. So we wanted to be the best. And so you have to work at it to be the best. And we definitely earned our position and our stripes to be there and, and be in charge and go for it, you know? Excellent. Well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's stay in the formative years for one more, one more track. And I'm going to ask you, Doris, if you can tell me that the first song you remember buying from a record shop. What's my first vinyl? I didn't 
didn't really buy music, you know, Stu. It was all Stead. Yeah. Stead used to have his uh, weekend job and uh, Saturday job, and he used to go to Al Price. And Shout out to Rob for that price there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was all Stead that introduced us to 12-inch remixes. And so I'm not taking credit for really buying music. I, I loved, like you said, to watch Top of the Pops and, and shows where we could see our favourite artists. Mm. But, yeah, all credit to Stead. <laughs> so was that like a case of like if... if Somebody in the house had records, you know, would it just be a case of you'd be sort of, you know, strolling in each other's rooms, borrowing records and, you know, was it kind of like, you know, all, all sort of, all immersive, everybody was allowed to kind of listen to each other's records and things like that? Um, I don't think all of us were into music as such back then like that because Del was into football. Uh, Lorraine was into, she wanted to be an actress. So the music was downstairs in the lounge, the side extension, actually, that my dad built um, on the house at Romford. Loved it. And um, it would either be headphone times for Denise because she was rehearsing her vocals. Um, but other than that, it was always when mum and dad were out, we could have the turntable to ourselves and just blast music. Yeah. Would there be dancing? Yeah, yeah. Back then, you know... Stead was just the leader of us all, so we'd follow Stead. Wonderful. <laughs> okay, well, let's go forward a little bit for track five, and I'm going to ask yeah. you uh, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please. Clubbing, Edwin Starr, oh. Eye to Eye Contact. Oh, what a record. Mm-hmm. What a record. <laughs> because back then as well, Stead and I were disco dancing. We used to take lessons. So we entered a competition, and that was our song. There, there were older kids taking part in the competition, and we came second, so I was thrilled. But that tune, even today, it's just, that's just another classic that will never fade, you know? Oh. It just has everything you need. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I run a venue in Essex, and, uh, and, and I, I put on um, Edwin Starr probably about a year before he passed. And because oh, right. uh, he was he was still doing very very well on the kind of northern soul circuit and and, and stuff oh, like right. that, he was doing very well yeah. after that. And uh, and he come on stage. He had a backing track, mm. and he come out and he he, he sung uh, twenty five miles and I like contact and you know war etc. And then I can't think what track it was, but somebody in the crowd shouted out, "He's miming." And uh, and he literally just sort of shouted across the room to the guy that was by the backing track, and he was like, "Stop the music! Stop the music!" And then he just went, "You people, you Northern Soul fans, have kept me in work for the last twenty years, you know, playing yeah. these type of yeah. events." And he went, "I would never mime," and he said, "I always sing live." And then he sung "Cupid" by Sam Cooke a cappella on his own and you could have heard a pin drop Doris it was absolutely <laughs> stunning yeah oh Edwin Star, what an absolute legend <laughs> oh my god <laughs> love that I love that story you know it's like we do as artists you know people criticise and it's easy for them and um, we don't Edwin Starr didn't have to prove himself but it's like 
just sometimes in life you get those moments where you need to shut people up. Absolutely. And he'd done that. He'd done that all right, 100%. Um, <laughs> so, so where was clubbing for you? Um, clubbing didn't start. Actually, I went to a club when I was at school, and I remember the strobe lights coming on, and I thought I was in a different time in a different place because it was all new to me. I was always just with my siblings, but it was our first, my first disco, discotheque. And, um, yeah, it was just an experience being in that dark place with music. But, um, yeah, like clubbing came much later when I did it right. So was that when the band had established themselves then? Yeah, because I, I always went out with Steadendale. We always just went out to dance. Uh, Brown's in London at the time. Uh George Michael, Tina Turner were there, and it was like, cool. Everybody's just having a good time. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad night out, is it? There's Tina no! Turner over there, and there's George Michael there. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. No, not a bad night out. We, we were just that bunch of kids that... We didn't drink, we didn't smoke. So when we went out to enjoy ourselves, it was to just go and get down, sweaty, and dance the whole night away. Wonderful. Right, well, I'm going to take you back to to, to your home county now for track six. And it is a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please, Doris. Oh, gosh. Uh, This is where I thought you said country, so I'm going to have to think. Um... We we go in Essex, right? Yeah. Oh, there's there's a lot in Essex. Mm, there is a lot in Essex. Who who can I think of? You have to help me out, Stu. Well, I guess any time that, that guests have been on from Essex, the, the two obvious ones that generally jump out are Depeche Mode and The Prodigy. Um, and I'm just trying to think. Okay, well, I'm going to take you back a little further and go different genre because I was into Lover's Rock then. Okay. So, like, the cool notes, that yep. era with them and um who else janet k um oh what were their names uh inamikaki sutanting althea and uh althea and oh god donna Donna. yeah yeah yes yeah so and tipper irie just all that kind of music because it was like seeing them on top of the pops as well was like wow i i was loving that not that I've got anything against Depeche Mode, love those guys, but to my ears and my memory right now, I'm going with the Lovers Rock. Wonderful, wonderful mm. choice. Have you? Do you go back to Romford at all? I have. I haven't been back in uh, a few years. We have neighbours there that uh, we still keep in touch with. Yeah. Uh, which I love. I love that. Um, note to self: WhatsApp. 
Mari, Ron, and <laughs> Andy today. Um, but yeah, love going back. Love going back. Okay. Um, for the last track, Doris, I'm going to ask you, uh, you can play DJ, and, uh, and it's a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Um, Bob Marley. Okay. Ride, Natty, Ride. Oh, what a great record. You know it! <laughs> I like you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it. Bob Marley, Bob Marley. Wonderful. What was your, your kind of introduction to, to Bob Marley? Was that something that you was hearing, you know, as a small child, or was that something that kind of, you know, come a little bit later that, that got, you know, that, and I guess Lovers Rock would have been a progression from reggae into mm-hmm. that? Um, or was it something that, you, you, you know, you, you, you discovered later on in life? Um, as a kid watching hit on top of the pops you know the the song where oh gosh with these he's with all the kids at like a party one love and the locks, locks one love there you go um started that and then progressed on to love is rock and then working with my dad in just my dad had his own distribution company and we used to go to jetstar and pick out uh, albums and go around the country and sell them so that was my real real introduction to the business side as well as you know yellow man and all these kinds of artists you know so that that's in my heart people don't know my my very humble beginnings with reggae because um dad used to write it and as an artist he used to put out his own music so that before any other genre was with me wonderful Mm. well Doris, what we do is we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast. So we'll uh, we'll throw in all the songs that we've spoken about today. Ooh. And and as we find ourselves heading, you know, into into January and and a new year with you know optimism, hopefully. Um, what are, what are you looking forward to? You know, hopefully becoming an outcome of, of this year personally, and, and what's going to be happening professionally. Personally. I would love for things to get back to some sense of normality um, because then everybody's going to be happier, you know, and the business is going to start flowing again. We get out there, go back to theatres, get back to concerts. I know things have been cancelled still, but um, use and adapt what we have, you know, right now and still make, progression because I think it's important to adapt and not just be stagnant um life goes on absolutely professionally what's happening professionally I'm still working on projects I'm actually um working on an EP lovers rock and um enjoying it loving it I'm writing with Alan Glass and Jazzwad um just like four or five songs I'm going to put on the EP and uh, I have other projects doing, uh, working with my cousin, Lady Margot. I'm working with another producer, stroke artist, like painter from Los Angeles called Alex Asia Daniel. I'm working with my friend Manjeet Devgan, who has her own meditation app right now. So um, definitely helping campaigning with that because I think mental well-being is so important. Completely, you know? completely. And, and- Music lends to all that with the happiness vibe and the good feelings and positive messages and, you know, bringing people together. I think that, you know, and, and, and to, to, to sort of focus maybe maybe more on, on the line of work that you've, you know, made your career, that 
I think mental health is something that that record labels should have a duty of care on, you know, because in this day and age, this industry, you know, the, the music industry is so cutthroat and brutal in places that, yeah. you know, you are yeah. making and breaking, you know, people's dreams. Yeah. And, and I think that there, there should be Absolutely. an infrastructure in place there to, to pick up yeah. the pieces when it doesn't go as planned. I think you're absolutely right. And that's why my family structure, family anywhere, you know, whether it's a blended family or, a, you know, you, you become family with people that you meet outside of your bloodline. And, you know, we're, we're all recruiting each other as, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, extended family members. So I think going back to your um what you said about the record companies sometimes they don't bother sometimes they'll do a token gesture but i think artists are very much aware of well-being and well i am anyway you know and i hope more people become that way because i, I think it's important Completely. it really is couldn't agree caring more. about others you know it's not just about us i couldn't agree more um doris it's been a real joy uh meeting you today and talking records thank you so yeah, much for right. your time such a pleasure. You're more than welcome, Stu. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to hearing uh, the, the Lovers Rock EP as soon as it's ready. And, yeah, have a lovely week. You too. Thank you. There you go. Oh, what a delight Doris was. Um, I hope you got as much um, joy out of listening to that as I did uh, recording that. Um, Doris was, was wonderful and just I always, if I get that chance to, to talk about Top of the Pops, I've just got this fascination of what what it must have been like as a, as a foul musician that never managed to get on top of the pops. Um, I've just always just, I, I love hearing stories about it, you know, who else was playing and, you know, who'd ever have known, you know, until, until now that they're sound checking, can't wait. And, and Morris is standing there, you know, having a little jiggle about wonderful, love stuff like that. Um, as mentioned at the beginning, uh, there's a patron. If you'd like to support the podcast, there's also, Another 250 episodes just sitting there waiting for you to get stuck into um, on Acast, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, if you can subscribe, that really helps. Uh, and I'm on all the social media platforms as well. So if you get an opportunity to to have a little scroll when you see us, give us a like, love, share, retweet. And yeah, tell your mates. There's, uh, there's, there's a whole world of chat um, available for you at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'll see you next time. Be excellent to each other. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine 
as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hey,